Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week... The Collapse of Civilization! (laughs) Hooray. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. But first... (sighs) Yeah, but first. It's Friday. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, I have a Jumpgate Games update. Okay. This is interesting. I do too. So. <laughs> right. Uh, specifically these new worlds. So uh, we talked briefly about it last week, how I was confused about the rules. Well, dear listener, we'd be happy to know that Kelly cleared up our confusion, Cooper and my confusion. <laughs> and we're going to play again tonight and it makes, it's. I think it's going to be uh, even more fun than it was last time. <laughs> makes more sense to you now. Yes, a lot more sense. Yes. Both people can buy the same dice. Yes. There you go. Because it's not really buying. Yeah, you're not really buying. You're just paying the. It's just show, the dice are just showing you resource costs. Yeah, anti up. Yep. Cool. And what's your update? Uh, my my update is that, and I only mention it because I know uh, this update includes a few listeners to the podcast. Uh, there were a few people that were instrumental in the the playtesting and the helping with that who I had promised copies of the game to, and I got those. Uh, finally got those processed this morning so those should be shipped out to you shortly and i threw in a little bonus as well cool fun um all right and what was that is that was the bonus the photo you sent in uh yeah yeah it's a a copy of a little micro game i'm working on called icebreakers excellent looks cool uh, okay, so today we want to talk about the collapse of civilization, which is <laughs> obviously imminent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this for is for me. It started around Monday. <laughs> uh, that's no fun. No. Um, well, this is stems from an, a video someone on my mailing list sent in, and it was about a m- three to four weeks ago, maybe a month ago that they sent it. And now I cannot find it for the life of me, unfortunately. I'll keep looking. And if I do find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But it was... And you didn't share it with me. I Well, I don't know why. It was... It, I, I, we'll get actually get to why. I don't think you need to watch it, honestly. Okay. But um, it, it's, it's like an over an hour long keynote presentation by a guy whose name I can't remember. I uh, wish I could. We'll update next week or in the show notes. If I can dig it up, um, related, my YouTube history is bonkers. <laughs> like scrolling through my YouTube history and I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's very weird. Frank Sinatra, yeah. uh, Joe Rogan, MMA. <laughs> Man, I really watched all these watch videos. It's very eclectic. Very, yeah. Eclectic across exactly like six topics. Oh, yeah, mine's the same way. Yeah, music, karate, expensive watches, uh, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Anyway, so I couldn't find it, but the gist of it was, well, so the the speaker is, um, I would call sort of old school, get off my lawn software developer, kind of like you and I are now. (laughs) Okay. You know, so he's roughly our age, you know, in the vicinity. I'm becoming that person. Yeah. Yeah, I I did about five years ago because I'm older than you. Yeah. But the premise is one that I've heard over and over and over again, as long as I've been in software. And probably it's the same kind of rant that you would have heard, you know, in Gutenberg's time or even in even in like like Plato's time when 
any kind of new technology comes out, it's like we're doomed. And so on the one hand, I was kind of like rolling my eyes at, at the thing, because I, even though I agree with the guy, I think we're both just being old, <laughs> right? Like kids right. these days, back in my day, things were better. We actually knew how things worked. Kids don't, you know, you, you can't open up a MacBook Pro, screws not glue, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but that, all that said, he did kind of maybe have a point. So sort of curious to like bounce this off of you. Okay. The premise is kind of like, um, like a good, a good example to describe the overall premise is kind of like, uh, code generators, which have become de facto standard in web development now, mm-hmm. where, you know, post stack overflow, post Ruby gems, and now kind of, kind of JavaScript of the JavaScripting of the landscape. There's this kind of like, oh, all you have to do is install Node. And how do you do that with NPM? How do you install NPM with Homebrew? How do you install Homebrew? You know. Yeah, there's a great XKCD about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it's a package manager, what's that? It's a yeah. package manager, what's that? Oh, it's a package manager. It's right. Like turtles all the way down. So, and this, and this is, I, I use this example because this drives, this drove me out of web development, honestly. <laughs> because I was like, because the, 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 for people who don't do web development, it used to be like you wrote some HTML, you wrote some, maybe you wrote some CSS and you opened in a text document and you opened it in a browser and boom, you had an interactive document. It was amazing. And probably the key beautiful feature of web browsers was that you could view source, which is just like mm-hmm. so mind blowing at the time. So you could view the source and you could look and you could see what was there. And, you, you know, even on somebody else's and, and website. And that was how everybody learned it. Right. Yeah. It was great. You know, it was messy. Yeah. And a lot of spaghetti garbage. But you could get started. And uh, the yeah. other cool thing about browsers is they were very forgiving in their uh, HTML parsing. So Which it didn't have to be a blessing perfect. and a curse. Blessing and a curse. It led to the messiness. But it also led to the web, which is kind of a good yeah. thing. So, you know, and... TCPIP was also had a similar similar like ethos, Messiness. which was yeah, yeah. Good, good enough is good enough. Like we don't need to confirm that packages were received. We just like keep going, right? And it's it, it was just a uh, beyond revolutionary. It was like a heretical in computer science at the time to think like that. So you know, I I feel like I strongly benefited from that at a certain point. It was just like oh, I could view source, I can make this myself, and then it was like. Um, yeah, yeah, blah blah blah. I don't have to go through the progression of the web, yeah. but, but the 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 state of affairs now, uh, I feel like it kind of started with jQuery, where and, and then Stack Overflow it was like kind of. It was kind of around there because JavaScript kind of didn't work, and then jQuery came along to kind of help JavaScript start being useful in a reliable way, mm-hmm. and then nobody, not nobody, but most people never learned how to do JavaScript. And is that a problem? I don't know, because it was kind of a mess. And then browsers got better and JavaScript got better. So you maybe didn't need jQuery. And I remember ranting about, you know, their date, like, uh, maybe jQuery was like 68K uncompressed at one time. Mm-hmm. Be like, people would be including 68K of jQuery. This is me ranting in, in like 2009. Like, I, I can't remember believe, these rants. Yeah. People are including jQuery, like 68, you know, it's like 68K of JavaScript so they can write two lines that they could have written with regular <laughs> JavaScript. And that really bothered me. And then like, and then that's, that to me is like comical now compared to like, 
webpack and react and uh, right ember like it's just i mean and now you'll have like three megs of css and <laughs> yeah, yeah, bootstrap right yeah like i i you know you i anybody else that was fighting that battle just completely lost like no the the market has spoken uh we want fancy and we don't care if we don't understand how it works and so the, the nature of this, to, to bring it back to the guy's talk, the nature of the talk was like, well, what happens if everyone forget, like everyone forgets how to do the level below the abstraction that they're working in? Like, I already feel like an arcane wizard when I have to write complex SQL queries. Yeah. Like, yeah. who does that anymore? <laughs> right. It's all so abstracted out. Right. And, uh, and, and I, there's an argument, I guess there's an argument to be made that like, you know, th this guy's argument was, he's like, he came into it knowing that the audience was going to be against him. And he was like, mm -hmm. so he came in with a lot of, um, I don't want to say anecdotal proof, but like, he felt like examples from history, you know, like Rome fell dudes, you know, like they, they did all this amazing stuff. Greece did all this amazing stuff. Egyptians did all this amazing stuff. And then they forgot how to do it. And see, he, that's what did he said. Know? Well, that's what he said. And I'm like, did they, or were they conquered? But it is true that there's technology that existed back then that, that, well, my understanding is that there's stuff that, that worked back then that we don't know how it worked. But that doesn't mean we don't have better equivalent versions of it. True. Yeah. I, it felt thin. It felt like a thin piece of his argument. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like, a civilization fell once, therefore ours was going to. <laughs> you know. But it, it does kind of... Uh, it, but he, and he was operating in a different layer of the stack. So I think pr pretty sure he was a web guy, but he was also like computer science trained, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. And he was more talking about stuff like at the, you know, at the, at the parser level and the compiler right. level and the hardware level, like chips and memory and, and all of that. He's like, he's like, people aren't going to forget that. Okay. So why do you say that? I, because I never knew it. Like, is there a is there like a no? A I I never I never population? knew it either. But there's a whole ton of of tools and things that I can't build and can't code because I don't know it. Yeah. And and even if I don't need to code those tools in order to do my job, they still need to exist in order for me to do my job. So somebody's got to make them. Right. And, and, and that's kind of the argument of like, I don't need to know how to make a car to drive one, which I agree with. And the, the people that make cars are going to keep making cars. Because it, other people are going to want to keep driving cars. Right. So I feel like there's, there's a, there's like a, probably a pretty small, you know, absolute numbers wise culture of making cars mm -hmm. who knows how to manufacture them. And, the, you know, there's a new one cropping up with like all electric because it changes the, it's kind of obsoletes the idea of a drivetrain and the combustion engine and all of those, all of that kind of IP that say somebody like Ford Motor Company has or like mm -hmm. BMW. It's kind of invalidated and not, uh, I mean, it's uh, obviously it's useful in some regard, but it's a lot of it's invalidated when you switch over to battery powered cars. Right. And so my thinking on that is that if in 50 years that knowledge of how to make a combustion engine vehicle gets lost, so what? <laughs> okay, so that's fair. But this guy's argument was like, we can't say so what about not knowing how to make computers or not knowing how to repair computers. Like, losing... Losing the... Uh, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to say it a little bit more 
on his side of the fence because I I think overall he's just no I, I don't I don't entirely disagree I just think it won't be to that extreme I mean there's there's no doubt that there's not as many people out here out there now who can if their computer breaks who can take it apart and fix it as there was back in the seventies when computers were first becoming a thing and is, right. I mean. I mean, there might be more people, but percentage-wise, the, the percentage of computer users who could fix their computer now versus the percentage that could fix it in the 70s is certainly lower. Yeah, and so that's... I don't, I don't disagree with him on that. Right, and, and that's a good car analogy, too. Like, you a normal person can't mess right. with their car engine. Now, yeah, like a like modern we, car. Like, we just... We took our, our van to the dealer yesterday because we were having a problem with it, and they're just like, okay, plug it into the computer, do some tests, this is what's wrong with it. Yeah. Like, right. we couldn't have done that. Right. Like, we knew roughly where the problem was. We're like, okay, it's something in the steering column. Mm-hmm. We could maybe, like, it's an electrical issue in the steering column. We could maybe get out a multimeter and track it down, but. Mm. Yeah. So, it's kind of like, it's kind of like he's pointing at a trend that seems, like, every area that I think of, it seems like the trend exists where, where mm-hmm. like, we, I, it's like, that's progress, isn't it? Like. Yeah. Right? Like. You, well, uh, it's progress, but then again, going back to the car, it's progress, but at the same time, it takes away a lot of what makes these things accessible to the average everyday person. Like, when I was a kid, we had a car, if there was a car, if there was a problem with the car, you know, my dad would get out of his toolbox and spend a weekend and figure out what was wrong and fix it, and, and now a lot of times you just can't do that because... Uh, it's going to be checked by the computer or there's a sensor that has to be checked or, I mean, you could maybe still do it with a lot of things in the car, but there's a lot of things you, you, you can't, you just kind of have to leave it up to the computer and, and that's not nearly as accessible. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I think that's good because, well, I mean, from a, from a, I think from a progress standpoint, like if you, if you have, if you have the seventies era, 70s and early 80s. I mean, like, I grew up then. I, I like, pretended, you know, I opened my hood and jiggled stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, you could see through to the ground. It was, mm-hmm. like, uh, not a very packed... Like, now you open it up and it's, it looks like the inside of a computer. It's, like, jam-packed wall-to-wall <laughs> yeah. with, like, like screwed-down plastic stuff. You can't see anything. So, is, is it really better for, you know, I don't know, 50,000 50, people to go out and buy ratchet sets and 50,000 people to, or, or 150,000 or a million people to go out and buy ratchet sets and wrenches and all of the tools associated with like working on your car engine and then what, you know, and changing the oil wasting. and not recycling properly. Yeah. And, Is yeah, that yeah. good? I mean, I guess maybe for society as a whole, it's not good. But on an individual level, if you're the kind that wants to be able to tinker and make and build and fix your own stuff, it's really annoying. Agreed. But cars have just gone. I feel like cars through through whatever, through uh, innovation yeah. and refinement and regulations, uh, you know, government regulations and so on and so forth. They've kind of been taken off that tinkerer board. Mm-hmm. And so there's new stuff to tinker with. So tinker with that. It's true. Stop That's messing true. around with your car. <laughs> it's like stop messing around with your car and go out and buy an Arduino. Right. Or, or <laughs> your, you know, you can tinker with your, your house. house all day yeah. long. Yeah. So you know, and and for people that are, you know, like my uh, father-in-law is like, uh, just rebuilds cars. Like he rebuilds old cars. He's like working on a '53 Ford Thunderbird. I bought him a steering wheel for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still do that. 
You might not be able to drive yeah. it on the road in a few years, but he doesn't do that anyway. He just wants to rebuild the thing. So fine. Right. He's it's got just like the, a, the hobby of the rebuilding. Yeah. He's got a massively complicated Estes model or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> that's fine. You can still do that if you want, but we're not going to let you drive it on the road for reasons that are probably reasonable, reasonable yeah. reasons. <laughs> I mean, uh, on the same time though, I've also had things break. And I've just been like, okay, I'll just 3D print this part and put it back together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's new... Yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned So, like software. you said, there's new things to tinker with. Right. And there's new ways to, to make and fix and build things. And, and I, I dabble with making various things, and there's, there's just so many ways to do it, so... Yeah, game cabinet, keyboards, mm-hmm. 3D printing stuff. Like, you can do it. Yeah. So, okay, but to, again, I think that if the dude, whose name I wish I could remember, if he was on, on the call, he'd probably be like, yeah, okay, great. But these are computers. Computers run everything, including, oh, I don't know, Boeing 737s, which <laughs> are having a hard uh, six months, a hard fiscal quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens when the – I can't even bring myself to say it, but basically saying what happens when no one knows how to fix it. And I'm like – and he's, and his point is like, what if you created something that was that was solid enough to last for sixty years or a generation? Which is, I mean, I've seen plenty of software systems in in what I would call legacy mm-hmm. companies that haven't been, t- you know, they're running like, you know, like, I can't remember the name, like like uh, AS four hundred systems on right. old hardware, like as recently as like the early two thousands, you know. So those systems are probably twenty years old, and no one's ever touched them. And mm-hmm. barely touched them. Like certainly yeah. no one understands what's going on. They might have bolted things on and plugins and, um, you know, like cosmetic changes. But the point is like the, the, there's a long, a long enough time, theor- theoretically, a long enough time could elapse from the creators of the tools and the underlying foundational stuff to, you know, and it's good enough that it lasts for long enough for those people to all leave or die. Right. Right, like there was there was a time in the in the financial industry that like if you knew Fortran, you could basically name your price <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because there weren't enough people left to do it, and a lot of financial software was still running on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so right. So I that, mean, as I mean, an industry, so yeah, the solution the solution when all that stuff gets forgotten is to replace it with something new. Right. Yeah, and 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 maybe that's good. But here's the thing. So like. Let's say you pick an industry like financial, financial services, to, you know, maybe with the exception of like, you know, cutting edge, like stock market people, you know, in general, it's a laggard industry that want to, mm-hmm. don't want to change things. They've got a lot of risk, a lot of regulations and, uh, and they pr- are presented with the choice of like, you know, our whole system is built with Fortran. There's literally not a human being on earth that knows Fortran anymore. <laughs> um, so if this falls over, we are literally out of business. Right. It's like we either have to replace it or we have to train people on this outdated technology. Yep. Or we have to rebuild it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And if the, you know, and probably, I know I've had the experience, I'm sure you have too, just because it's really common. If you go to rebuild a business system for somebody and they basically give you the old one as, like build build me one of like, these, but instead of using Fortran, use like I don't know Rails or, or like C sharp or whatever. Right, like this is the feature set we need. Yeah, yeah. the The problem with that is a lot of times there, it, you know, it's not sufficient. 
is so like I, I can remember plenty of times when people would be like, you know, we've got this old system like in FileMaker or something. We need to rebuild it on the web. So I would be mm-hmm. would have been doing it in PHP at the time, and I'd be like, okay. They'd be like, all right, we need to generate, uh, you know, these five reports. And here's the old system. Here are the reports. And now you've got the new system. Can you generate PDFs? Yeah, I can do that. Great. Perfect. Okay. They need to look like this. All right. And I'd be like, all right, what are the calculations behind these numbers? And they like look at me like a deer in the headlights. Like, I don't know. Right. Like look in the old system. And I'm like, well, I can't. Yeah. You know, it's compiled. That's not how it works. Right. And right. And I'm like, well, how would you know? And then I'll say like, how would you know, how do you if, know these if numbers it's wrong? are right or wrong? And they're like, we don't. We just... We never even thought that. Like, we just assume they're right. Like, wait, they can be wrong? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, side note, I've had s- systems where they wanted me to rebuild the old bugs into the new system because those are the numbers they were used to. So... Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm serious. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, they're like, well, okay, we understand that they're off, but if you correct it, then it's going to make our numbers look like there's going to be a, a look like a downturn in the reporting after the, the period of the new system, we don't want that. That's so, so weird. keep it wrong. As long as we know it's stable, then that's fine. We don't want it to look Consi- like it's not stable. It just needs to be consistently wrong. Right. So, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah, and it does kind of does kind of lend credence to this dude's argument that, like, like what, you can't right. just rebuild it. They don't know how to handle it. the answer being right. Yeah, they just, I mean, you just don't, you just can't rebuild it. Like, that. that's mm-hmm. not always an option. It just certainly put, I mean civilization crumbling is kind of a stretch, but it, it could certainly ruin a business. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've heard of businesses like that, that had um, like ransomware or a catastrophic failure and they're just not, that's, sorry, you're right. They, you're they done just now. don't recover. Yeah, yeah. You're not coming back. Didn't have backups or whatever. Just you're done now. So, but that's a, that's a, it's a pretty big stretch to go from that, which definitely happens to like to the fall of civilization. Yeah. Unless, it's government systems, which I would say are probably pretty similar in terms of risk aversedness to like financial companies that, you know, like banking or whatever. Yeah, it seems like it seems like the these systems most prone to this happening are financial and government. And those are the two that you really don't want it to happen to. <laughs> yeah, I don't want mess. Yeah, and healthcare, medical. Yeah, that's another one. Didn't, didn't, I don't know if you sent this to me. I think you did. Uh, like, didn't uh, some city in, like, Virginia or something had, like, a, a virus or a ransomware attack and their whole government shut down for, like, three weeks or something because they couldn't turn I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that was me. Okay. I do remember an article once about um, malware and viruses that got installed, like, on medical devices hospital-wide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I, I that was from Swift on security. I mm-hmm. I think I sent that to you. Yeah, I think you did. Um, yeah, I mean it's like, but I feel like the virus, the, all of that stuff. It I, sounds familiar, but I don't think I sent it to you. Okay, we'll see if I can dig it up for the show notes. But but that's kind of like okay, that uh, it's related actually, but that wasn't really this person's point. The, this person's point was like, we are. Uh, sort of standing on the shoulders of giants with with just no interest whatsoever in what came before. And my reaction was a l- basically like yours, where I was like, yeah, but all of that knowledge is getting built into the tools that we're using to, to mm-hmm. basically just add our little piece. So like jQuery as an example, the folks that worked on jQuery core were like the JavaScript at the time, like the best JavaScript experts you could probably find because they were yeah. s- 
because they had to write the patch code to make browsers actually work. So there were people, you know what I mean? That, that, you know, like John Resick and PPK and like all those dudes were super into the, the, the nuts and bolts of JavaScript, which of course is built on top of like what a browser's written in C. Right, right. You know, so somebody's building browsers still, so somebody's writing C, I guess. <laughs> There's a lot of people still writing C. Are there? I guess. And, but C is abstraction on top of, I think, assembly. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. Like, see, I don't, yeah, like I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, what's the alternative? Like, we have to learn every piece of this stack in order to build a web page. I, I just don't. I don't understand how you would make progress without this happening. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd be we'd be sitting there with punch cards. We wouldn't have computers. Right. It'd be like, well, pa- paper paper is far superior to these. Dig- you know, it like lasts longer. We still have <laughs> we still have books from like pre. No, pre I almost said prehistoric. Like from, <laughs> you know, BC. Yeah. Do you think you're going to have like your family photos in 2000 years? Do you think they'll still exist? I'd be surprised. Well, I mean, that we have books from 2000 BC. Yes. And people haven't forgotten how to write. You know, <laughs> We haven't forgotten how to make books. Yeah. Uh, this why, one... what's, who's, why are we going to suddenly forget how to make computers? I know. It, another piece of his argument, so maybe this is... Like, we is, haven't forgotten how to make pottery. <laughs> but we forgot aqueduct. Well, we didn't forget aqueduct. No, we didn't. <laughs> uh, so here's... Remember that book? I, I talked about it on the show a while ago. It was called um, How to Invent Anything, and it was the premise was mm-hmm. that you go back in time and your time machine breaks. Yeah. And he was... And, and in that book, too, he mentioned... A, and a bunch of different things that got reinvented like four or five times before they, they stuck culturally. And it feels like a similar argument to what this guy in the keynote talk was giving, which is like, like, I think it is fair to say like this, the stuff that you consider baseline now is not necessarily permanent. No, the baseline is going to change over time, but yeah. I don't think that's a problem. I think that's just progress. It, I think it can go up and down though. Well, yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to think. I think it was penicillin. He said it. It was invent. It was basically discovered like five times by accident. Yeah, by accident until it, you know, until it stuck. So, uh, he he was like the 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 top five technologies to start with. If you went back in time, really far, like caveman, mm-hmm. were uh, the number one was spoken language. You can't. It was like you can't get anything done without spoken language. It's like a it's a technology. And then after that was written language, and then, as he put it, non-sucky yeah. numbers, <laughs> you know, so you could actually yeah. do some math, and then the scientific method and calorie surplus. So, you know, and then after that, yeah. once you had those covered, you could make a kiln. If, if you made a kiln, all of a sudden that unlocked, like, a massive number of other inventions. Right. But you needed to have all those building blocks, but does that mean that everybody needs to know how to make a kiln? You know, no, is somebody going to see here? Okay. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like support, I'm trying to devil's advocate here. Like, let's okay. say, um, oh, I can't even get there. It's like, let's like, what would have to happen for us to f- forget about kilns like that it existed? You know what I mean? Cause you'd almost have to forget the yeah. use case. You'd almost have to forget like, like the entire culture would have to forget that, um, like charcoal was a thing 
because you need to, you basically need to kiln to make charcoal. And, mm-hmm. and if, if you don't have charcoal, then you can't get like hotter than a certain, certain temperature with open flame, which means you can't have certain metals. So you'd have to be like, I remember that there were scissors. <laughs> <laughs> How the heck do you make scissors? And then you like look around and you're like, where's metal? I don't see any metal. And you're like, maybe it's in the <laughs> ground. You know, I, I just don't see. Yeah. I, I just don't. You'd have to forget the entire use case for, mm-hmm. for the thing. Right. Like toilets, you know, like, like when toilets were first introduced, it was like, people were like, you're going to poop in the house. That is disgusting. (laughs) Right. I know. You know? And it was like, it had like a a tougher adoption than you would think. You know, it's like, that is gross. (laughs) Like there's no way we're doing that in the house. It's like, you don't understand. We're not putting an outhouse in your house. That's why we dug this hole and built this outhouse around it 50 yards from the house. Yeah. It's like, well, no, we're not putting that in the house. We're putting something different in the house that, that changes the way that works. And like a funny mm-hmm. note, it took like something like 50 or a hundred years after the, the toilet was invented for anyone to invent toilet paper, which I think is really funny. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. You'd think okay. they kind of go hand in hand, so to speak. Mm. Uh, at any rate, the, you know, you're not going to forget the use case of like having to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. So. Right. Boy, wouldn't it be cool if I didn't have to like walk outside where the saber-toothed tigers are mm-hmm. or the creepers? Yeah, I feel like I don't like I have no idea who in when or where the toilet was invented, but I feel like it was probably done by someone in a very cold climate in the winter. <laughs> probably, <laughs> I think the guy's name was literally John Crapper. Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna say literally a few more times. Okay, literally. You're, you're literally going to say it over and over. I literally am. Uh, anyway. You know, it's kind of the, the computer thing. I, I guess this is the question. The question is, are computers operating in a different class of progress because they're so abstract or they're so, um, I almost want to say quantum. It's like, like you can see a pair of scissors. Like you can understand a pair of scissors. Like anybody can understand a pair mm-hmm. of scissors, but you know, with like a tiny bit of an experimentation, I've seen very young children understand what scissors. You just show scissors, they move them out, they go like this, like, whoops, don't put your finger in there. That's kind of sharp. Maybe I could cut something with it. So, mm-hmm. but you look at a MacBook Pro or like an iPhone or something and like, where do you start? You know, so like, is it, it could it be that software? I mean, at, I mean, at its base, it's a collection of logic gates. True. Right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, where do you where do you start? I feel like the the best chance we have for forgetting how to make computers is when they get smart enough to start making themselves. Mm, yeah. Oh man, that's funny too because I had a similar thought when this guy was talking. I was like, well, in a few years, it's going to be you know like a few hundred, fifty, two. I don't know how many, but at some yeah. point, we're not going to be writing software anyway because we're just going to be like, I want more pizza to the air around us and pizza will appear and mm-hmm. and, and th- that will be a, a magical wondrous time full of pizza and and, and uh, probably donuts yeah case. and when the and when and, and it kind of reminds me of like it's like a sea change kind of like going to electric cars is mm-hmm. or will be where all of that ip around like the drivetrain becomes irrelevant and then the computers are inventing new chips and and figuring out how to <laughs> manufacture them i don't know like <laughs> I, I, keep, I keep thinking back to that book, Damon, which I read years and years ago, which mm-hmm. was 
felt really implausible at the time because the premise of the book was that a famous game maker is, knows he's going to get killed or he knows he's got terminal illness. Something he knows he's going to be dead. I think, I think he knows that, that there's a, a price on his head. Someone's trying to assassinate him. So he writes a, he writes a program, not an AI. He writes a program to, that's connected to the internet to kind of avenge his death. And it's very clever, but it's a program. And I was like, it like, like the premise was that this genius game developer wrote a game that was going to interact with the real world by mm-hmm. using the internet to hack into financial accounts of people and businesses to manipulate them into doing things in the real world. And it was like, it's like, okay, if you suspend your disbelief a little bit, it would work, I think, if the guy was like a super genius who had like 50 years to work on this. Right. Because it's like, come on, there is no way you could write that program, but you could teach someone, you could, if, you know, AI machine learning goes in a particular direction and you do get a general purpose AI, general purpose AI would be qualified to do something like that. It's mm-hmm. like, theoretically, theoretically. And so if you imagine like a, a shift like that, then it won't like, who cares if we know how to make chips, chips are being made. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So or maybe that's the doomsday scenario. I suppose, I suppose a lot of, I, probably 50% of the people would say, well, that's the doomsday scenario. Yeah, I suppose so. And then 50% would be like, oh, that's utopia. <laughs> Cause now we can forget how to make everything. Right. <laughs> I still don't think we'd forget entirely. I think it might be a lot more rare, but I don't think we'd forget. Yeah, I think there needs to be. I think there needs to be something that doesn't need to be updated for more than a generation for that to happen. Because someone's mm-hmm. always going to be handing down the knowledge. Like they have to hire new employees to if they want the business to keep going. So like the entire computer industry, like the chip industry, would have to dry up, which is the polar opposite of what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the chip industry is exploding. So. And then, if, I don't know, I just can't, I can't see it happening. There's that TED, there's also that TED talk about, um, you know, where, when ideas have sex, this is like an R-rated episode, <laughs> um, when ideas have sex, and it's like a, you know, this guy's a scientist, anthropologist, scientist, and he, mm-hmm. he shows, he shows a side-by-side photo of a uh, stone axe, with no handle, it's just like a rock that has been sharpened to cut through yeah. wood, and then like right next to it, a computer mouse, and they, they're like almost exactly the same shape. Um, you know, same size, of course, because they're both made to fit your hand. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the axe on the left, anybody in this room could probably figure out how to make by looking at it. The mouse on the right, there's not one person in the entire world that knows how to make one of these things. Like, it, it is the collective right. effort of perhaps millions of people if you want to include, uh, you know, uh, getting the plastics and all of the raw materials out of the ground, getting petroleum out from under the ocean or wherever you're getting it from, changing that into some refined plastics and wires and, you know, and the coffee yeah, that if, all if the people break drink. It, break and, it down to that level, then yeah. Yeah. And, and there was a, um, there was a, but his, his point was like, but that's, that's required for wealth creation. That's required for progress because you, you're mm-hmm. specializing and it's scary to specialize that much, but it's the only, it's the way, it's the reason humans are doing good to the extent that you feel like they are doing good uh, or doing well. It's like, that's why, because they can collaborate in big teams and specialize so that, um, you know, you, so that right. you, you don't Nobody can be, know everything. Yeah. 
if everybody needed to know everything to run their life, we'd be back in caves, like mm -hmm. pretty much literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are limits. There are limits to the amount of time we have to learn things and do things. Right. Yeah. Like he gave, he gave an example of, um, candlelight in your, you know, in, I don't know. I don't know the time period, but you know, when, when candlelight was the way you lit your house, mm -hmm. he had like a number. It would take you for 15 minutes of candlelight. You had to do like X amount of labor to have the paraffin and form the candle and do all the, you know, all the stuff you need to do to create 15 minutes of candlelight at night. And now it's something like, you know, it was something like an hour. It would take you like an hour of work to get 15 minutes of light at night. And, you know, fast forward to now, it takes something like, a, like two seconds for 15 minutes of light, you know, <laughs> or less than that, a tenth of a second per day of work to get 15 minutes of light at night. And if you... Right. There, there was a point where it was more efficient to just work during the day and not worry about generating the stuff to light your house at night because, well, that was an hour wasted that you could have spent doing something in actual daylight. Yeah, exactly. So people forget how to make candles and civilization collapse? I don't think so. Like, um, I bought a candle earlier this week. I know. Right, right. Yeah, we have tons of candles, but let's... What? Funny. Funny enough, they're getting... Uh, our candles are getting overtaken by flickering LED candle-like objects. Yeah, I had those for a while, but I, I still prefer the actual candles. Yeah, we have a mix. That, that's totally an aesthetic thing, but... Yeah, but, but here's the thing. Let's say everybody forgets how to make candles, but we have... We, we have, have the flickery LEDs. Right, like... <laughs> Is something lost? Yeah, something's lost. Is is it the collapse of civilization? I don't think so. No, it's 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 maybe the the collapse of Yankee Candle Company. Yeah, or but, the collapse of Romantic Evenings, but right, which maybe does lead to the collapse of civilization. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just I felt like I was on this guy's side because he was shaking his tiny fist very hard. Mm-hmm. But I just there's a, there's a part of me that. On an emotional level, wants to agree with the guy, but when right. I start thinking about it, I can't get behind it. Right, I can't. It just seems like that. It seems like that thing that happens to you in your mid forties when you realize that like kids don't know anything these days, mm -hmm. when in fact they know something much more interesting and newer. And you're right, like, it's like <laughs> we had we had something like that come up the other day. Um, um, the child was doing something, and I. I don't remember what it was, but it was something that I've known how to do since I was certainly her age. It was uh, something computer related. Uh-huh. And and so I was explaining to her how to do it and 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 she and helping her with that. Uh, but like but like then I turn around and she's like sitting there doing literal astrophysics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> Man, this is this is gonna. If we don't stick a fork in it, we're gonna spiral into like. Yeah. It does written language matter? <laughs> because I, I heard another rant from somebody that was like, "Oh, you know, Alan Kay, which is a non-trivial name to be throwing around in a conversation like this, mm -hmm. who was recently interviewed about the sort of state of affairs in the Apple space and the iPhone and the new, you know, all this new stuff, whatever." And he was really anti-iPhone, iPad, strongly. Yeah. And talked a lot, you know, and he was consulting at the highest levels when Jobs was still alive. And he was like, he had reasons to believe that, 
you know, Steve knew exactly what he's doing, but his motivation was more like, you know, I'm smarter than you, Bill Gates, and just trying to like kind of prove that more so than move the computing industry forward. Like, yes, he was trying to move the computing <laughs> industry forward, but um, not in the way that Kay had envisioned at Xerox Park when they created this thing called the Dynabook. It's a cool article. Um, I'll link to it, but it was like... We'll have to, you have to do a lot of spelunking for this episode. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But his his point was, like, we were trying to extend the human intellect and, you know, the wheels for the mind thing. Right. And, and, and Steve and Steve was trying to be Bill Gates. <laughs> and Steve was trying to be Bill Gates and ended up creating, like, an interactive TV. So, you know, is that really... You know, that, that barely has a calculator on it. And I was kind of like, yeah, there's a little, there's a little bit of, of tiny fist shaking in the article too, but it was, mm-hmm. in, it was interesting. He's like, imagine where it could have gone. Imagine the things it could have done that it doesn't do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he's like, find me one person that knows how to cut and pay, that knows how to undo on an Android phone or on an iPhone. He's yeah, like, undo, can, we can't undo. Guess what that does? That takes away your explore, your, your desire for exploration. <laughs> because if you can't undo, then just, we'll just go with it like this. And I was like, huh? I mean, the guy's obviously got a big brain when it comes to computing. Mm-hmm. I, it, I'm literally, I don't, I, I can't, don't know how to undo things on my, my Android phone. You need like a special keyboard installed. I'm pretty sure if you do like a long press in the text area and then you get the cut, copy, paste options that come up, there might be an undo in there as well. Nope. Trying to remember. No? Not in Gmail. No. Oh. I know, I've, I know I've seen them somewhere. Maybe it's app dependent. Maybe. Yeah. I think, I believe that's true. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I've looked, let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure, you know, a thousand listeners yeah, will like, okay, tweet at like me. Okay, I, I see the Z on the keyboard. Where's the control? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, uh, anyway. And then on, on iOS, it was shake to, to undo, <laughs> which I always thought was really, really awkward. But anyway. It's like an Etch-a-Sketch. He's right. This is the end of civilization. <laughs> yeah, Etch-a-Sketch. Oh, that's kind of funny. You know, I never news, got ma- that. Massive earthquake wipes, wipes out the country of Etchisketchistan. <laughs> that's funny. I never heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Well, we should probably wrap it. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is how m- did how did me burning my arm make you say we could use this as a jumping off point? <laughs> Because, I just I can't make the connection. Oh, you're right. Uh, because of the controls being on the back of the stove. Oh, okay. It's like yeah, which a is a dumb place to put controls. Dumb. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Should we put these dials behind? So you have to reach over the burning burners. The hot grease. Or should we put them in front of the burning burners? Anyway. Yeah. It's like the the Whirlpool anti house coat edition. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've injured myself multiple times reaching over those burners to to get to the controls. Yeah. I'm I'm sure my lack of peripheral vision doesn't help, but yeah. I still think it's a poor design choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. All right, this is literally the end. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark and I'm Kelly Shaber, and we hope you join us again next time for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. <laughs>